Hey guys, this is Pete. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug for my debut novel entitled Frankenstein, A Life Beyond. It's the first direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic and follows Ernest Frankenstein, the sole survivor of the original book. Like mystery, adventure, romance, horror, then this is the ebook for you. Check it out today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, EnceladusLiterary.com. That's E-N-C-E-L-A-D-U-S-Literary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. Burt Reynolds, Darth Vader screen test. All right, and we're rolling. Fire away. Lord Vader, your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes or given you clairvoyance enough to find the rebel's hidden fortress. Uh, Bert, you're supposed to strangle the guy now. Oh, what, like, uh, over there, choke him? No, no, you, you kind of have, kind of twist your fingers at him. Ah, I don't get it. See, see you have this mystical power. Let me ask you a question, uh, what car is this guy driving? With your host, Pete. Jack Lemon, Chewbacca screen test. Take one. Okay, excuse me, before we put the spaghetti in the machine, can someone tell me what the hell one of these Chewbacca things is? Well, he's a Wookiee, Jack. A what? A what the hell is a Wookiee? Um, it's like a space ape. Oh, that's terrific. You had me drive all the way from Beverly Hills to play a f***ing space ape? Uh, just, just put the mask on. Jack. I'm going to take a dump in this damn mask. Jack, I'm please do. put it on? Why can't I audition for Obi-Wan? You got math out screen testing. I'd be a terrific Obi-Wan. Could please put the mask on? Ah, f*** yourself. And Greg. Christopher Walken on solo screen test. Okay, Chris, whenever you're ready. I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewy here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship. <laughs> fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon. It's the ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. She's fast enough for you, old man. That sucked. I'm sorry. I need a minute. Damn it. You know, I and we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. Okay, C-3PO. I'm sorry, who's in there? It's Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> damn you! I told you I didn't want to wear the damn mask! Okay, just, just do the scene, Richard. What I really need is a droid that understands the binary languages of moisture evaporators. Evaporators? Sir, my first job was programming binary load lifters. Very similar to your evaporators in most respects. Thank you very much. Now, listen, I can do that better, okay? Thanks, but uh, we've got all we need. Look, I don't need this. I was in Jaws, okay? Okay, thanks. Walter Matthau, Obi-Wan Kenobi, screen test. All right, Walter, here we go. I never heard of them hitting anything this big before. They didn't, but we are meant to think they did. These tracks are side by side. Sand people always ride single file to hide their numbers. These are the same Jawas that sold us R2 and 3PO. 
Jawas, what the hell is this picture about anyway? Well, Walter, it's a space adventure about a magical force and all the people and creatures who oh, inhabit right. a distant galaxy. Walter? Walter? Recording now. I am titling this, What If Casting. What if we didn't title it anything? <laughs> what if casting? What if casting? What if casting? Are we going to get into what if directing? Oh, I think our list is long enough with acting. <laughs> <laughs> that can be another episode. Uh, yeah, we'll make this a nine-part episode. What if costume designers? Well... What if key grip? What if a different key grip worked on Man of Steel? It would have just changed the whole nothing. So, what if they'd gotten J.C. Penney's instead of Sears? Oh, oh. <laughs> Man of Steel single-handedly put J.C. or Sears out of business. <laughs> out of business, I, and that's such a tangential connection too. Well. I saw a bunch of people go through the wall at Sears. That seems like a good place to go shop. <laughs> oh, Superman must have crashed this uh, refrigerator. That's one we should get. Ooh, Kenmore's. Those look durable. <laughs> I mean, what? I, I, what? <laughs> Let's go get some IHOP pancakes, stop at the Marathon gas station, and find our way at Sears. Why? <laughs> because we saw Man of Steel. Steel. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> What is happening? All right. And it is a unique episode of Hindsight is 2020, as we are not future hindsighting. We're not necessarily living only in the world of comic book movies. We're going to talk about them. We're not in TV, but we can talk about it. And we're not necessarily coming up with a new story for Star Wars or anything like that. No, we're doing another one-off crazy called What If Casting, and uh, we're going to talk about all of those historical Hollywood stories that go around where there were different actors up for iconic roles that eventually made people super famous, and uh, I would say the, the Reasoning for this episode came from a news article talking about the 30th anniversary of Ghostbusters and how Eddie Murphy was supposed to be man number four of that movie. And there's a lot more in that, the story of Ghostbusters that we can get into in this episode. So I'm, I'll throw it over to uh, someone who was up for the role of Jack in Titanic, but he just couldn't float. So what stories do you have about miscasting and uncasting and recasting i'm sure bring up that damn door that kept throwing me off <laughs> the problem was you just you were able to get onto the door too easily it's like no no we can't have you on the door nope sorry this isn't tragic enough you gotta stay in the water see ya could you sir could you please stop laying on top of kate winslet but we can both make it. We can both make it if we do this. This is a PG-13 movie, son. You can't lay on top of Kate Winslet and do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Would have been a very different movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's that's the theme of this episode. Is it would have been a the very theme of this episode. We we just tore right into it there. All right, well, what's your pleasure? Would you like to dial up TV or would you like to dial up movies first? Oh, geez, we can go for the low-hanging fruit. There's some that it's almost like common knowledge among pop culture. All right, well, let's shoot for the easy ones. 
Yeah, I mean, like the first one that I think most people would know would be Indiana Jones, and because it's kind of famous. Now, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, you know, a lot of these could just be presumptuous. But Indiana Jones is famous because uh, good old uh, Grumpy Ford was not in originally Indiana Jones, but who was? We've talked about him. We've talked about him at length. I believe his name was Magnum Selleck. Magnum Selleck. <laughs> Mustache Selleck was originally going to be Indiana Jones. So I mean that's one of the more famous ones, but he didn't. Didn't we have a couple other people up for that one? Some other famous people who were up for that one. Was well, was Sylvester Stallone in the running? Did I hear at some point? Well, that's going to be a common talk about themes that we're going to get into. That's going to be a common theme that we're going to keep bringing up over and over again as we go through this list of just endless list. Is a lot of these more famous or more popular movies of the time that have these stories around, oh, that wasn't going to be Harrison Ford, that was going to be so-and-so. Really, all you have to do is look at who were the famous actors working at the time the movie was being cast. And if it was a big enough movie, I would say pretty much any, anybody within that age range who was famous at that time probably is associated with it. So Superman or Star Wars, you can pretty much go through the list of who was on that A-list. So, yeah, I mean, if if you're talking Indiana Jones, that was right in the wheelhouse of when Sylvester Stallone was coming off of Rocky, just getting ready for Rambo. So, yeah, I would. he may not have gotten close, but I guarantee you that... When Spielberg came with Indiana Jones, Paramount started going through the list of, all right, who's it now? Let's, let's test them. Hey, yo, uh, Nazis, uh, I hate these guys. Uh, <laughs> Marion, I just have to go and save the, 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 the holy grail is greedy and lazy. I think... Uh, uh oh god tim meadows burton no otter from animal house was uh, oh uh starts with an m matheson tim there matheson. we go yeah he was in the behind the scenes as he did a screen test for it oh really um that's the only other one i could think of that's what i thought you were thinking of but no. oh nope but I think the most famous thing about it, though, is because Mag is uh, you know Magna Mustache. You said was originally he was actually offered the role. So I think that's how we have to go through our list: is who were who were <laughs> who like, was actually in the driver's seat yeah. exactly, and then didn't make it for some reason. And his reason was that Magnum PI got picked up. So, and I think we talked about that on the Magnum episode. Mm-hmm. So he had the, and there's another famous one where TV caused a a casting difference, and that was that was your lovely Bond series with Pierce Brosnan. Why yes, yeah, uh, he was originally uh, supposed to go in the '80s, not Timothy Dalton, and that would how how different would that those uh, '80s movies been if it was bought Brosnan first and not Timothy Dalton? I'm gonna turn that on its ear a little bit here and. Uh, did you ever hear that, uh, what's his face, Sam Neill was almost in when the Brosnan era started? I did he not. could have been in Goldeneye. <laughs> well, that would have been unique. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, yeah, I would have never thought, I'd never heard that one. No. Yeah, that was a new one on me, too. I, I 
kind of stumbled across that and I went, what, really? That would be very interesting. I would not, <laughs> that's obviously coming off of Jurassic Park there. Yeah, it had to be that <laughs> that caused that discussion to take place at all, but very interesting. I mean, were there other, because Bond's been around for so long and has been recast many times, are there other famous actors who were originally in place? I mean, I think... Well, we, if you wanted to go into established Bond lore and everything like that, when Connery was leaving, they actually wanted to get Dalton back then, and... Uh, I I don't have this information handy in front of me. I can't remember if he already had another job or what exactly it was, but uh, he could have been in on His Majesty's Secret Service, which ended up being a one-off uh, with, uh, what's his face, George uh, Lazenby. Lazenby in there. And so, yeah, his his connection to that series went way back before he ended up getting in and being in... Uh, Living Daylights in 87. Man, wasn't Dalton really young in yeah, 1970? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, like, oh, well, there's this 15-year-old British actor we want to throw in his young teenage bond. <laughs> Not quite that young, but no, he was, a, he was a young guy. Well, I was thinking, I thought I heard something that Roger Moore was up for it in the 60s. Yes. Uh, so, he actually had several, I think he had some TV series that he did in between. So basically, every, every every Bond actor was originally supposed to be Bond at another time than they actually became Bond. Yeah, except, kind of. Yeah. Except maybe Daniel Craig. God knows. I think he just kind of came in when he came in, mm-hmm. which that's, that's interesting. And, and when he got in, I mean, there was a big outcry from a lot of the fan base and going, oh, this guy doesn't look right. Looks too much like a brawler. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the Heath Ledger theory right there. It's the it's the Michael Keaton Heath Ledger legacy of don't knock it till you see it, <laughs> <laughs> which is we're going the opposite direction. Going well, what would it have been with the original people had we seen it? Like, uh, it, let's stay with the the themes that we've lived in here for a couple of years of this show, and you know, like the original Superman, where Warner Brothers really tested a lot of famous people before they decided to go somebody not so famous. So they actually had guys like Robert Redford and uh, I think Walken, maybe, if around that time, 75, 76. Um, hey, Lois, how you doing? Ha- yeah. <laughs> like, can, you see, can you see Paul Newman in tights? No. I think that was why... They, uh, that's why Richard Donner says in there, he's like, I, you know, he set that precedent that now every freaking superhero movie follows, which is you, you hire really famous people for the supporting roles. So you can hire a no name to, to be the superhero. Cause he's like, I can't really see Paul Newman flying around cause I won't see Superman. I'll see Paul Newman mm-hmm. in a Superman suit, which is fair enough. And then, you know, you got Star Wars is probably the big one where every, uh, you know, the, the infamous story is that for the original Star Wars, they were casting Carrie at the same time. So pretty much every actor of every age came in for all of those roles. <laughs> well, you didn't make it in this film. Go next door, kid. Take a shot. 
Well, I think they were in the same room, if I recall. Oh, okay. the, the, it was uh, De Palma and George Lucas in the same room. Like, here's the sides for Carrie. Here's the sides for Star Wars. We'll switch back and forth, and then you can pick who you want to come back. Mm. But I, I think the... You know, the, the famous joke ones would be Christopher Walken and Al Pacino, almost <laughs> yeah. Han Solo. Um, what, 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 what are you? Are you some kind of walking carpet? What, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, well, well, I won't even try and do the Kevin Spacey bit. Was we'll play that in the beginning of the show. You probably already heard it. And uh, I mean, all the young actors were were in there to to. Do the role for Luke yeah, and all they the young had, actresses for Kurt Russell Leia. in there for Han Solo too. Yeah, there was a I, I there was an alternate casting that I think uh, somebody put together here. I got a couple of sites that we pulled up some information to research here. We got one listol dot com, and then I got one that I found as kind of a overwhelming when we got into this to say the <laughs> least. A, a website called notstarring.com which is essentially an internet movie database for all of this entire subject matter of who didn't get that role. Uh, but apparently the lineup of the big three in Star Wars that uh, were just behind Fisher, Ford, and Hamill was uh, Kurt Russell, like you said, for Han Solo. And then uh, Cindy Williams, who from Laverne and Shirley, because she was in American Graffiti, she was all set to be Princess Leia. And then uh, Robbie Benson was supposed to be Luke Skywalker, who I think he was like a pop star or something at that point. Yeah, I was going to say. And so, I mean, I think those were the ones. uh, There's a story going back a couple episodes for us back that uh, Robert Englund went in to read for the role for Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Oh, really? And he was actually roommates with Mark Hamill. So he's the one who sent Mark Hamill in to audition for Luke Skywalker because he just flat out told the guys, I'm not right for this. I'm too old. So there, there's some interesting casting. but <laughs> um, And then, I mean, you get to the prequels, too, and there was some different casting involved, like uh, the one that we will forever talk about, and I think we <laughs> talked about in the first podcast we ever did was the uh, behind-the-scenes of Phantom Menace when they had one kid and Jake Lloyd doing the readings for Anakin, and there was the one kid that they showed who was like, wow, he's really good. And yet they cast Jake Lloyd. (laughs) This kid likes video games. I like video games. You're in! Well, what do you think that would have done? I mean, we have beat Star Wars to death. <laughs> but what would that have done to the Phantom Menace if that kid that we saw maybe 10 seconds of, what what would the Phantom Menace have been like if that kid who looked like he had some chops, if he was in? Would, 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 would he still have better? to have screamed, yippee? I think so. But maybe it would have... <laughs> Maybe it would have just come in and his voice was changing. Yippee! <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. I, I mean, there were obviously so many problems that we had with the basic script. It might have been less annoying, but I don't know. I don't know if any putting that material on any 10-year-old's shoulders would have worked, quite honestly, but... I maybe might have been a little bit more engaging. I mean, he might have just brought something more to it, looking more—I don't know, 
just menacing or I, I don't know. That's a tough one to call. Like you said, the material, it always comes down to the material, but sometimes the character, the actor makes it like you, you can't see Han Solo or Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford now. Right. So sometimes it makes the star and the star makes the role. And I mean, Christopher Reeve, you cannot see Superman without Christopher Reeve. And he is forever. I don't know. Nicholas Cage. Oh, <laughs> That's a huge what if that I, we can't get into because no, it's going to be a documentary coming. Yeah, we won't go too deep down that hole. <laughs> but, but, uh, but you know, in that same vein, Superman was going to be before Superman returns with Brandon Routh. There was originally Superman Flyby, which was infamously written by J.J. Abrams before he had really become anything outside of making Alias. And it got a lot of online internet criticism because the script leaked. But they had reworked it, and Mick G, coming off of Charlie's Angels, was going to make it. And they were going to shoot it in Australia. And they had cast Matthew Bomer as Superman. And he is on some show... Can't help you on this one. <laughs> it's like blue collar or white collar, something like something collar on USA... I believe it's white collar. And he was also in Magic Mike, uh, the male stripper movie. But I I have a very uh, unique extrapolation that I read when I was doing the research on this that I think, oh, I think there's a little conspiracy here. Because if you remember when they shut that down, the rumor was that it shut down because Mick G does not like to fly and they were going to shoot it only in Australia. Which seems really thin for shutting down a two hundred million dollar production and the 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 heart of Warner Brothers and it to have it shut down because you've known for months that you're gonna hire a guy to shoot in Australia and then he tells you at the last minute, Oh, I'm not flying. So you're saying it's as plausible as a lot of those baseball guys who suddenly shrank massively over the course of one off season and they just stopped eating McDonald's food? No, they just stopped eating French fries. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Don't forget. Yeah. Right. Giambi just he's, he's just a big <laughs> big pussy. He's a big cheater pussy. <laughs> but the, I think the story behind Superman flyby going away is that I think the brass realized that Matthew Bomer was gay. And I think they they shut it down based on that. Mm. I think they said, um, you know, this is going to get out that he's gay and we can't have Superman be gay. So that that's just my opinion. So I don't know. I don't know if it holds water or holds weight or not, but that's just my opinion. Well, we will never know. We will never know. <laughs> um, what about what, what else you got on that list besides the uh, the super obvious ones? Uh, Chris Farley was going to be Shrek. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, and In fact, he had recorded a huge chunk of the audio for it before he passed away. And that would be very, very interesting to hear. And they have uh, gone out of their way to make sure no one has heard it <laughs> for whatever reason. So um, the little note on the site that I'm looking at just says it was apparently much more melancholy than what uh, we ended up with with Mike Myers' characterization. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, we got... Uh... And that's just because he died. I mean, the the other thing we could talk about 
for uh, an actor who died who was basically set for a role was Ghostbusters, where John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, wrote Ghostbusters for he and John Belushi as a follow-up after uh, Neighbors and Blues Brothers. And it was supposed to be super crazy sci-fi in the future and hundreds of ghost-busting teams. And they were just like these slobs in uniforms. It was essentially kind of what it became. But his main idea was that they were essentially just janitors, but they were janitors of ghosts. Mm. So I could see that as, you know, a slobby version of Dan Aykroyd and the slobby John Belushi just going around with cigarettes hanging out of their mouth, cleaning up ghosts. I could that That's one that lost their lead because he died and the whole whole movie changed and like i said at the beginning eddie murphy was supposed to be in it but apparently he chose not to because he realized that bill murray was the star and you know that was when murphy was coming up with beverly hills cop so ernie hudson got the role and i was gonna say and apparently the winston role was supposed to be much different than what it ended up being in the final film as well right yeah so yeah, the, Ernie Hudson apparently got the pages the night before shooting and realized that, wait, his his role was completely cut down, and he kind of got a little pissy about that, but still did it, and he didn't become a superstar, but he's a working actor, and I think it's mainly because he was in Ghostbusters. Hmm? Uh, and Beverly Hills Cop, who was that one for? <laughs> Oh gosh, who who was that for? Oh, you just heard it. Yeah, well, I have a bad memory apparently. Oh come on, he's gonna be one of the. He's, he's gonna. Oh, that's right, that's Rocky, right. And then he's gonna go and he's gonna fight in Beverly Hills. He's, you talk. Yeah, about I'm in Detroit. Don't tell you all you people. I'm going out to California and you're gonna die. Oh, you Beverly Hills slobs are lazy. Gonna <laughs> show you a real cabbie like. Because I come, when I come from Detroit, that's what winning's all about. When you come from Detroit, it's how you can get back up and go all to right. Beverly Hills. So Rocky gets knocked out in the ring <laughs> in, in Detroit, <laughs> wakes up, doesn't know who he is, decides to go into police work, and ends up out in California. I, I think that was the plot, right? Well, just, yeah, there you go. There's another one. I mean, how different was that movie with Sylvester Stallone? I mean, it's not a comedy. It's just no way, shape, or form is that movie a comedy. If it is, it's stop or my mom will shoot. <laughs> it, it it definitely does not blow up into what it was. No, not at all. That was perfect marriage of actor and role of the moment. Because, frankly, that movie's not... For me personally, Beverly Hills Cop is borderline unwatchable today. It's just not. <laughs> it's very much a product of its time. God, between that and the score, they never shut up. Hey, remember this? It's been about 12 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, you don't need to play this. Harold Faltermeyer needs to stop, please. Another. <laughs> <laughs> He's turning into Hans Zimmer. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that in another. <laughs> yeah, we'll table that for now. Um, oh, same year. Terminator was not going to be Arnold. It what? Was... That's impossible. I am the Terminator. Originally, um, James Cameron wrote wrote it for O.J. Simpson. And why? I was going I to ask. Well, why exactly? I don't. I don't know. 
Uh, there isn't a whole lot out there as to why, just the story that he wrote it for O.J. Simpson. Hmm. And then when he, I guess he met with him or something and realized he couldn't act. So what he... Well, he was fine as Nordberg. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heroin, Frank. <laughs> but what happened was is that um, if you look at Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, you see what... Cameron's original intention for the character in the story was the original intention is that he then went to Lance Hendrickson, who eventually became the police chief at the uh, in well not the chief but one of the cops yeah in the uh, original one yeah he was going to be the Terminator because Cameron thought well what's scarier than or his version of what's scary is a guy who looks like everybody else. And the point of the Terminators is to blend in with everybody else. But unfortunately, this was James Cameron's second movie. Well, first movie, whatever it is. I don't know about Piranha. But he didn't have any power. He didn't have any leeway. In order to get his movie made, uh, his producers said, well, we need somebody. So they saw Conan the Barbarian, saw Arnold, and said, we need somebody with presence to make this a bigger grander kind of thing so that's how i got stuck with arnold as the terminator because he had to coalesce with his uh his producers and then ultimately terminator 2 he had robert patrick who looked more like a normal guy and it all worked out in the end yeah which i would say goes with every movie we ever talk about or, or whenever <laughs> we talk about a director and we talk about a director like uh, what's of the moment right now with the most recent Christopher Nolan movie out with Interstellar. And my thoughts on that is uh, what we talked about for Batman. You got a director who has some oversight from the producers and somebody to tell him no. And the guy's creativity is stifled a little bit and makes a really good movie. But when they're let off the leash... It hardly ever works when a director <laughs> is let left unfettered. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pin you down on that statement a little bit more for just a second. Can you think of any time it ever has worked? I was just thinking uh, in the back of my head. I'm trying to think. What about Spielberg? I mean, he's got it. He's reached a level of autonomy. I don't know if anyone ever has. It's kind of like Hitchcock, Spielberg, and then the list just drops from there. Trying to think of. A director who was left untouched, who made stuff that was unanimously loved. I mean, you can look at Kubrick. Kubrick was just insanely controlling, but his stuff isn't universally loved. It's critically loved, but not everyone loves his stuff. Mm -hmm. True enough. So, I don't know. I mean, I try to think of early Spielberg would be like 1941. He was left unfettered, and it was a bomb. But I think he's in a different world but the only other person i can think of who comes immediately to mind who you might be able to make a case for and i'm not even sure which film i'd try to do this with would be soderbergh um because yeah, he's I done so that. many independent movies yeah i can see that he's got his own style and his own style just translates across so many different genres that he mm. he never wants to be pigeonholed he always wants to try something different but right. you can always tell it's a Soderbergh movie oh yeah yeah but he does get that oversight and then does stuff like oceans 11 12 and 13 and um then he goes off and makes the limey and he makes the limey what well, people <laughs> liked people like the limey but my name's wilson 
I mean, he made Magic Mike. I mean, so he's just all over the map. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But that's interesting. But back to actors. Oh, right. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Ocean's Eleven, Mm. how many times, uh, again, we go back to Hollywood's fascination with there's a generic white guy actor of the moment. Let's put him in everything. And when Clooney was bursting out of ER... And I remember this from my Entertainment Weekly readings in the you late make him 90s. sound like the Kool Aid Man. <laughs> <laughs> Come bursting through the ER doors. Oh, yeah. Danny Ocean. <laughs> Peacemaker. Oh, God. <laughs> but there's an episode. <laughs> he was attached to everything. Everything. Yep. And it wasn't attached. He was like, he's going to be in it. And then he wasn't. <laughs> Hello, Jack Frost. Jack Frost. He's going to be in it. No, we need another Batman. Michael Keaton. (laughs) Uh, Wild Wild West. He's going to be in it. No, he's not. So we'll get Kevin Kline. I mean, there was the uh, the fifth Batman movie he was supposed to do. They talked about him for Superman before Nicolas Cage, but he said, F off. Um, And that was when he decided after Batman and Robin to uh, say... Screw this crap. I'm choosing my own career, not having it handed to me. So I think that's why he's so infamously known for these, because how many times he's just like, forget it. I'm not doing that. I mean, he was up for the role of Hancock, which eventually went to Will Smith. Mm. So it just it just never ends with the guy. But uh, he's just an interesting one. Or uh, Will Smith was originally supposed to be Neo in The Matrix. Yeah, I can't quite see that. I mean, he, again, we're talking about not guys who, eh, is a vague rumor, but these are guys who were there and he backed out for or was taken out for some reason or another. So, yeah, I mean, Will Smith was supposed to be in The Matrix. And that, I don't know, what what would those movies have been without, whoa, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm seriously trying to picture this. It, that's like that's one of the only roles where you can actually say that Keanu's acting style uh, probably really aided the character and the story. Yeah, but I think he he guided the story so that you could make a case that Will Smith might have guided it a different way. Maybe it would have been. Oh uh, yeah, I mean he maybe would've... it would have been taking. Uh, Will Smith's characterization, the the Will Smith character probably would have been there, but it may be what the Wachowskis could have done is shown that he was a cocky guy who then got brought down. I feel like we would have seen the acting that was in, what was it, the After Earth or whatever it was that came out? After Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to After Earth. Um, uh, yeah, it's just amazing, though, how that got so close. It just, I don't know. I mean, I look down this list, I see some other ones that you look at and you're just thinking, what? Like, I, I, you just can't see it. Like, uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey in, in the Ben Stiller role in Meet the Parents, which went on to have two sequels. And uh-huh. I, if you've ever seen those movies, they're all based around the classic Ben Stiller characterization of the meek, has to put up with crap guy. 
and how different it would be with Jim Carrey, who is not the meek, put-up-with-crap guy at all. No. (laughs) I really can't picture that. Yeah, at all. Huh. It it just seems... It's just weird. Uh, Tom Hanks was originally supposed to be in Jerry Maguire. (laughs) And guess who was originally tapped to possibly be in Tom Hanks, one of his more famous roles? Tom Cruise. Um, John Travolta as Forrest Gump. Oh, oh my. (laughs) Can I come see Jenny, please? I like to run with Jenny. Life is like a box of chocolates. Oh, God. (laughs) No tricks. (laughs) No shrimp. Oh, God. All right. That's that, yeah. Or, uh, oh, here's one. Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Two times. Two times that one's had casting differences. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Are we talking, uh, what is it, Manhunter or whatever? No, well, I mean, that's that's one where it actually changed, because you have the original Manhunter, which was based on the novel Red Dragon. Okay. And Brian, Brian Cox was Hannibal Lecter, not Anthony Hopkins. Okay. So you could have a case where, I mean, we can get into this because we have a couple of these, where actors were replaced, and you wonder, well, what would those movies been like if the original actor was there? So that's one where, man, Sounds of the Lambs, how different would that be if that was Brian Cox and not Anthony Hopkins? I mean, Anthony Hopkins would be Anthony who? You mean the guy in The Elephant Man? <laughs> he'd be nobody. He'd be an absolute nobody right now. He would not be a Sir Anthony Hopkins. He would just be uh, nobody. I think it was in A Lion and the Winter. You guys remember A Lion and the Winter? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mutiny on the Bounty? Uh-uh. Anybody? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that would be weird. But, I mean, in Silence of the Lambs, Michelle Pfeiffer was uh, up to almost the last day was supposed to be uh, the uh, Clarice Starling, Jodie Foster role. Huh. And I thought... Okay, and I like Michelle Pfeiffer and everything, but how old would she have been at that point? I mean, the the whole isn't the whole premise around the Clarice character is that she's one of the younger people and kind of therefore more vulnerable in her position and more susceptible to Hannibal's mind tricks and everything like that, potentially? I would think so, and I wonder if that's why she eventually dropped out but i think it would be interesting to go and dig deeper to find out if maybe the original story she wasn't maybe because jodie foster was brought in they tweaked the story to make her younger yeah it could be i've never read the book so i don't even know but if the characters portrayed but if we follow this style of what we're doing here by doing this chain gang weirdness then we go to Michelle Pfeiffer replacing Annette Benning as Catwoman. Oh, that's true. <laughs> if Annette Benning was not knocked up by Warren Beatty, she was Catwoman. Which, I, I don't know if it would have been awful. It would have um, been different. I, I, I don't know. It Batman probably Returns was not okay. good anyway. <laughs> Batman Returns was just not good to go. I was going to say, that's another one. It's kind of like episode one. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. But. I don't know. It would. I think she would have been able to do it, but I don't know if it would have been as iconic a memory as it was with Michelle Pfeiffer. I, that's just my opinion. I don't think it would have had that iconic status that people remember Michelle Pfeiffer for that role. Oh yeah, definitely. 
Well, who else, uh, since we're there, uh, who else or what else could have happened with that film? With which one? Batman Returns. Oh, well, um, I mean, if we stayed in that line of thinking, you go back to Sean Young, who was trying to be Catwoman in Batman Returns. (laughs) Desperately trying. And if we go back a step to 1989, she was originally Vicki Vale. Yep. And then they were filming a scene where uh, Bruce and her... Because I read the novelization of the original script, and the the scene with uh, Bruce and Vicky having the date and dinner at Wayne Manor was supposed to originally end with them riding horses on the Wayne like Wayne Manor estate at sunset. So, in training for that scene, which never happened, uh, Sean Young was thrown off the horse and got injured severely. So, at the last minute, they got Kim Basinger to fly over to England to do it so you know sean young was originally had that role and i guess she's mentally off a rocker and decided she's gonna go stalk the warner brothers execs and tim burton to try and tell him that she's gonna be catwoman which thank god didn't happen yeah that that would not have worked but then again if that would have happened (laughs) batman returns was not good anyways so it would have just made it a more fun circus (laughs) <laughs> no, I, th- I think we had enough of that going on in that movie. Or, you know, I don't know, this is a little bit outside of the box of what we're doing here, but Batman Returns was supposed to have Robin. That's true. And that was Marlon Wayans, so that would have been interesting. And you could have had me in there, too. That's right, because I should have been in the third movie. <laughs> So you stay, let's stay on that line then. Billy D. Harvey Dent here. So what if Batman Returns was not as big a disappointment if they did a third movie with Michael Keaton and with Billy D. Williams turning into Two-Face? Uh, you know, and then maybe Robin Williams as the Joker? I mean, Joel Schumacher says he knew Jim Carrey for a long time. And But it was happy accidents that Jim Carrey's career blew up right when they were casting that movie. Well, and if we were sticking with the possibilities here coming out of Batman Returns and it had gotten greenlit staying with Burton and everything, do you think he would have stuck with Carrey or do you think he would have gone with Williams or someone totally different? I, I think he would have gone maybe somebody totally different because I think even then Robin Williams was probably too old. But then again, maybe not, because Michael Keaton was older than Val Kilmer. True. uh, Oh, and speaking of Batman rumors, (laughs) I enjoyed reading this one. Let's see if you've heard this rumored thing. I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. Yeah, almost Batman in the Clooney movie. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I know that rumor very well. Okay. Actually, Bill Murray, when they were talking about doing Batman in the early 80s, Oh, is that what it's from? Okay, just, that makes more sense. Yeah, the long story short, too late, is uh, just before Ghostbusters time, Bill Murray was doing Razor's Edge for Warner Brothers, which was a dark his first dark turn. He had done a comedic role in Tootsie, which was a dramatic movie, but it, his first role that was kind of in that dark vein was Razor's Edge. And at that point, Tom Magnowitz, who was partners with Richard Donner and helped him rewrite the script and was script consultant on the first two Superman movies, uh, Warner Brothers brought him on to try and make a Batman movie. 
And they said, well, this is our next big character, so we need you to do it. And so Magnowitz gave an interview in Starlog magazine. For kids out there, just think of your favorite movie websites you go to. Eliminate all million of those, and basically you only have Starlog magazine in the 80s for to read that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. there was no internet. And so he gave an interview and said that it was g- going to attempt to go serious, but that Warner Brothers wanted Bill Murray... And so there was a mock-up of the Batsuit with Bill Murray's in it pushing, like, an image of Adam West and Burt Ward into a closet saying, you guys are the past. And, yeah, this was, like, 1982, 83. So they were going to have Bill Murray in there to try and do, like, a comedic... To, to do the whole thing that they never really did with Michael Keaton, which was, as Bruce Wayne, he should be totally different than Batman, not just grim and dark, and I'm going to put on a suit, and I'm going to be grim and dark. So the theory was, lighten him up as Bruce Wayne, so he's a totally different guy when he's in costume. Mm. So, yeah, there's the Bill Murray story. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, I, I forgot, uh, when I, I was going on a roll there with Silence of the Lambs, and to tack on to that, when you go nine years later and they're making Hannibal, the sequel, Jodie Foster thought it was too violent and didn't want to do it. So then they got Julianne Moore to do Clarice Starling. So the story was that Michelle Pfeiffer left Silence of the Lambs because it was too violent. So Jodie Foster left Hannibal because it was too violent. So Julianne Moore takes over as Clarice. What it would Hannibal have been any better had all of the same people been involved. If Jonathan Demme would have done it and not Ridley Scott, would it have been a better movie, I guess? That would be the... Because a lot of people think it was crap. uh, Again, I haven't seen it, so I can't really weigh in on it. I just know it by reputation. I know that a lot of people are not happy with it. But... I don't know. Uh, Ridley Scott can be very hit or miss, as we've seen. So. Oh, yeah. He's he's a different breed of cat. Uh, yep. Well, I mean, that there's a long chain of Batman and, and uh, Sounds of the Lambs. <laughs> what, what, about, uh, how about Christian Bale as Jack Dawson in Titanic? <laughs> okay. Yeah, apparently uh, he lobbied hard for that one. I don't know. I could kind of see him in that role, I guess. Hopefully he wasn't trying to do any voices. <laughs> I would have just loved it if there had been... Uh... Rose! <laughs> <laughs> you need to stay alive, Rose! You need to stay alive! Stay alive for me! <laughs> I'll never when do we fall? When do we fall? I'll never let go, Jack. Oh, good for you. I'm sinking <laughs> in the ocean here, and it's fucking distracting. <laughs> I'm freezing here. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, apparently, according to uh, NotStarring.com, there were... Uh, it's amazing for how much crap people got pre-release on Titanic for how much it was going to bomb and everything. You talk about one of those who were the popular actors and actresses of the time. 
it's amazing when you look at this list of people who tested, not just rumored, but tested for the part two leads in Titanic. Like here, here, I'll roll through the list of actors. Yeah, lay, lay it on us. What do you the, got? The actresses considered before Kate Winslet got the part: Jennifer Aniston, Gabrielle Anwar, Christina Applegate, Rosanna Arquette, Drew Barrymore, Rose Byrne, Gabrielle Carteris, who was from Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, I don't know who Marguerite Chapman is. Holly Marie, Holly Marie Combs, who eventually ended up on Charmed. Jennifer Connelly. Claire Danes. Gina Davis. <laughs> Amanda Donahoe, who ended up in Blair Witch Project, which is interesting. Uh, Minnie Driver, who we talked about. Mm-hmm. Elijah Dushku. Claire Forlani. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Linda Hamilton. What? <laughs> oh no no no! I'm sorry. Linda Hamilton was up for the Molly Brown, Kathy Bates role. So that uh, makes more sense. Sally Hawkins, Natasha Henstrich, Amelia Hunley, Eva Hersvoda, Angelina Jolie, Mila Jovovich, Nicole Kidman, Allison King, Jordan Ladd, Robin Lively, Carrie Lowell, Madonna, <laughs> Sophie Marceau. All these people. Oh, thank God Madonna didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, this site puts on here and says, could you imagine Christian Bale and Madonna on the bow of the boat? <laughs> <laughs> what the f- <laughs> Yeah, out of that list, the only one who immediately came to mind that I could even, like, kind of see would probably be Jennifer Conley. Yeah, and the list just keeps going, and it's essentially, hey, who was famous in 1996? And this is this is the list. And yeah, the list I Jack totally is, can't see somebody like Christina Applegate in that role. And then, I mean, Gina Davis. Yeah. What the? She was like 40. What the <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> climbs really? on, she climbs on board with her, uh, what was that awful Pirates movie she was in? Uh, cutthroat Island. There you go. She's still in that outfit. <laughs> <laughs> she just climbs over the side. Well, I look at these and knowing the ages of some of these people. No, that doesn't make any damn sense. Like Gabrielle Carteris was on Beverly Hills 90210 and it became one of the trivia things when everybody always said, why does it always look like all these old people playing high school students? When she was in Beverly Hills 90210, which was, what, six, seven years before Titanic came out? She was the oldest of that cast already. She was like 31 or 32. Why would what? <laughs> this is and then Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne? What was she? 5? Cuz she's <laughs> barely out of her 20s now. And this is like 20 years later. Uh, it's just these are just insane things. Macaulay Culkin was considered for Jack Dawson. What? He was like 15, <laughs> if that. I, yeah, no, I totally cannot see that. Even regardless of age, I just can't see it. I mean, Johnny Depp was sent the script. Yeah, I knew Johnny Depp had been considered. Uh, I mean, the guys are not nearly as long as the girls on this list. Rob Lowe was supposed to be maybe the Billy Zane part. I can kind of see that. McConaughey was up for the role of Jack. All right, all right, all right, Rose. <laughs> yeah, now you see, these right here are my girls in France. She's got many fingers. 
Go ahead and lay over on the couch, Rose. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Brad Pitt? What? I'm sorry. Yeah, he was fun. already way too old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was just, and, and I never even got even through half the list. Honestly, that was not half the list. Uh, uh-huh. So it, it's just insane. Um, yeah, Titanic, just a big, big-ass movie, but a ton of people's read for that role, apparently. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the back to our superhero things, I think one that's kind of sort of on the periphery of fame is Emily Blunt was originally uh, Black Widow. Ah, uh, yes. But she had to drop out because uh, of the high-end classic that was known as the Wolfman, which turned out to be so great for me to poop on. <laughs> oh, boy, I got this Marvel role. No, you don't. You've got a commitment. You're going to be in the Wolfman. <laughs> which will be rebooted soon, and maybe we'll talk about that on the next episode. Yeah, that could be talk coming. About- when we talk about uh, how every movie studio is trying to catch up to Marvel. Come and do a hindsight <laughs> episode near <laughs> you. Yeah. What else you got on your list, Thunder? Oh, man. Uh, I've actually been trolling through some other sites that had a few more people mentioned uh, for some of these other roles we've already talked about. Indiana Jones, Nick Nolte, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Nick Nolte. That was the other one I was I forgot about for uh, Superman. Yeah, Superman. Too. Yeah. Uh, uh, some more names to throw out for Star Wars casting. Nick Nolte's there again. Robin Williams, Gene Simmons, Roger Daltrey, <laughs> Jack Nicholson, Chevy Chase, <laughs> Steve Martin, Bill Murray. Uh huh. Yeah. Again. Anyone who had a name, they saw. It seems to be every decade, once a decade, you get a, a singular movie that sees everybody. Yep. Oh, you're breathing and you were in a movie? How about you read for this? <laughs> uh, here, here, I like the the uh, Godfather possibilities. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> <laughs> you got five bucks. <laughs> I'm going to make an offer. You can't refuse. <laughs> Edward G. Robinson, Orson Welles, George C. Scott. Yeah, I could see those last two. Even without even seeing the whole movie The Godfather, I could see those last two. Uh, Can you see Daniel Day-Lewis in the John Travolta role in Pulp Fiction? Honestly, I think he's one of those few actors that you have to just withdraw any joking and say... That guy could probably do anything he wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... He was originally supposed to be in Man of Steel, too. Uh, he, oh, he was? He was up for, I, I don't know if it was for Paul Kent or for the Russell Crowe uh, Jor-El role. I, I, one or the other. Really? I don't think I'd ever heard that before. That's interesting. Uh, how about uh, David Schwimmer in the Will Smith role in Men in Black? Uh, that would have definitely been a casting of the moment thing. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this was 90, what, 7? yeah. 6, yeah. Heat of Friends right there. Heat of Friends. Oh, I, yeah. Schwimmer and anything. I don't think that works for anything, really. Um, what about those... Uh, maybe this is how we can wrap it up, is more talk of, instead of who almost got cast, what about people who got recast? I mean, we already did it with Batman. What about... Uh, 
You know, we just sure. What about uh, Eric Stoltz? Originally, Back to the Future. I mean, that probably is one of the most famous recastings ever. It's definitely towards the top, if not the top. Yeah, five weeks right of shooting at least. Yeah, and uh, it would have made Melora Harden a, a household name. Now, there's somebody I know from. Uh, maybe we'll do one of those lists where how many different actors do we talk about in the most episodes of Hindsight is 2020, and I know we talked about her in Quantum Leap, um, and she's gone on to a very respectable career, but nobody knows who the hell her, she is. She's just one of those. I'm in the movie, but she was originally the uh, Jennifer in Back to the Future. And it, oh, was, okay. it was for no other reason that she got mis- recast along with Eric Stoltz because when they got Michael J. Fox in, she was way too tall, and they didn't want that. So, damn you, height, for costing a career. It's just that simple and stupid. <laughs> uh, Vigo Mortensen from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he was a last-minute replacement. They'd already started... Uh, filming and figured out that the guy who was in the role that he eventually got into was not going to work. I don't remember the actor's name, but yeah, he was brought in very last second. Well, I was thinking more along the lines of somebody who did it and then got recast. Like, you know, we did Keaton and then became Kilmer. What would Batman Forever been with Keaton still there? I mean, I wonder what Batman and Robin would have been with Kilmer still there. Um, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, how big of a difference does it make with Don Cheadle versus Terrence Howard? Because now Cheadle is in Iron Man 3, and then he'll be in Avengers 2. So is he that big of a difference from Terrence Howard? Would that that character have been any different than the way Cheadle portrayed him? I don't know. Again, since I've got such a very tangential connection to that property and everything, I never read the comics or I didn't have any real preconceived notions about the character. And I ended up, I don't think I saw the first one until the second one was already out. So, I mean, to me, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, these things happen. And Well, what about Edward Norton as Hulk in The Avengers? If he had not been recast into Mark Ruffalo, how different would The Avengers have been? Uh, I think the filming would have been a lot more contentious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking. Yeah, I mean, we had all the behind-the-scenes right, shit. Right, right, right. Um, why it happened, but it just playing, even playing I, I field. Think I like the personality that Ruffalo brings to the character, um, especially when he is not, obviously, the Hulk and everything like that. I mean, I think Edward Norton was fine when he did it, but he didn't. He didn't really bring anything to that role where it was like going back to Iron Man, like a Robert Downey Jr., where I'm like, I really am having a hard time seeing somebody else just sliding into this role. So, I mean, again, for me, it was just kind of one of those, yeah, I, this works. He's fine. I like him uh, as far as Ruffalo replacing. Now, see, I, I go a different way. I liked Ruffalo in The Avengers. Mm-hmm. But I would have liked to see Norton in there if for no other reason than like a uh, like a uh, I don't know like a baseball card collector. You have the complete collection now in place. It always seemed like there was one piece missing, and like they were completely disavowing the Incredible Hulk movie by not having Edward Norton in there. And I just would have. I just would have found it interesting to see those scenes redone with Edward Norton there so that you suddenly have 
for somebody who watched all those movies from Iron Man straight up to the Avengers and was invested in them, to just see that completely come together would have been more interesting. Instead, and so I like Ruffalo enough in the Avengers, but it just would have been interesting to see Edward Norton there and have that almost complete set. All those pieces would have moved into place, and when they were all in one room together, it would have been like the perfect culmination, and there wouldn't have been any sort of minor hiccup, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. Ruffalo is fine. Ruffalo is good, but it just would have been cool to see. So what uh, what else is on that uh, that list there? Because I mean, we, we could do this for hours, <laughs> hours and hours. Is there any? And is, if the audience demands it, we'll come back and do more. I mean, is there is there anything in TV that you can think of that from season to season people were replaced and not an ER replacement where it was a different actor, different character, but it was essentially characterization? Uh, there are a couple of TV things. Well, I don't know about replaced necessarily, but uh, there are a couple of fun little TV tidbits I turned up. Okay, such as? Uh, okay, well, in Buffy, they had a completely different actress playing Willow initially. When they first started filming the television series, um, Sarah Michelle Geller was not supposed to be Buffy. And who was? Uh, Charisma Carpenter was supposed to be Buffy. Oh, yeah. One of uh, those good old fashioned, <laughs> we like you enough to keep you around for something else. Pretty much. So they flip flopped. Um, apparently, the Monica and Rachel roles were totally flip flopped on Friends as well. Yeah. That would have been, yeah, I don't think that would have ever flown. I think those personalities of those actresses just fit too well into the roles they were that. that It just yeah. would have never gone the other way, period. No other alternate dimension has alternate Monica and Rachel's. <laughs> Star Trek Voyager, that series started filming with a totally different actress as the captain. Um, I don't she was a fr- French actress, I think. And somewhere out there in YouTube land, you can actually see some of the footage from this. Apparently, it was not real good. I've never gone searching for it, but that was another, uh, at the time, kind of famous turnaround. Man, you're on the TV, because I, yeah. I don't remember any of these. <laughs> I remember them when you say them, but I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, there's lots of issue, uh, lots of uh, times where from the pilot when it's shot, because it's shot like a movie... Oh, and, yeah. And then when they find out they're picked up, then they go and shoot a series. <laughs> All right, now we're going to get rid of these people. But a lot of times that's not, you know, one actor coming in playing the same role as another actor did. Usually it's, well, this this character just didn't work, so we're just dumping this person who you saw in the pilot who's right. never coming back again. I mean, I remember that back uh, in comic book world in The Flash, the original 90s Flash, not the new one, uh, with John Wesley Shipp as The Flash. And he had his girlfriend, Iris, who is essentially the Flash's Lois Lane. And she was in the pilot, and she was in the second episode. And never to be seen (laughs) again. (laughs) I'm going to go over here and get some coffee. Okay, I'll see you in a few. (laughs) But never mentioned again, never seen again was Iris. So that's just one I remember where it was characters gone. But I can't think of... um, It's tough. I can't think of... There's a new actor. I mean, the famous one is Bewitched. You have two Darrens. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's suddenly out of the blue. There's another Darren. All right. 
All right, everyone act casual. This is totally normal when somebody totally changes. <laughs> yeah, I think back to Iron Man 2, I think that was the best way to handle something like that is... Uh, Just calling it out. Yeah, Cheadle's first line when he walks on screen is, hey, it's me, deal with it, I'm here, all right, let's move on. And yep. that, that was his line of dialogue, so... Yeah, TV's just a different cat, though. Um, well, I mean, you're with, you're with the actors and characters much longer. Yeah. So it's just a it's a harder thing to slip into. Um, I mean, hell, we talk about Lost. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about ER. <laughs> oh, God. Well, ER was just replaced. Hey, look, you're you're a different name and a different character and a different actor, but you're essentially replacing you're exactly the same at the end of the day. You're just <laughs> the person who just left. <laughs> you're just doing replacementitis, and there's no other reason for it. But you know, in Lost, the uh, the character of Jack Shepard, who was eventually played by Matthew Fox. Uh, he was originally, speaking of Batman, he was originally Michael Keaton. Mm. And Michael Keaton was going to be cast in the pilot, and he was going to die halfway through the pilot and kind of a Hitchcockian thing and spin the rest of the show off. But then they realized, wait, we need a, a main lead guy like this, and Keaton didn't want to do a series, so then they recast and did Matthew Fox and the rest is TV history. So there's a uh, recasting for story purposes, not for actor purposes. Interesting, nonetheless. It, it, I would say so. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's just billions upon billions upon billions. I mean, Batman Begins, if we come into modern Batman, um, I think David Boreanaz is one of the more famous ones. Oh, yeah. Where he, yeah. he actually was offered the part. By the studio, not Christopher Nolan. So he was actually offered uh, Killian. There's another one of those uh, Charisma Carpenter things. Is Killian mm. Murphy was originally Christopher Nolan's first choice for Batman, but the studio oh, yeah. the studio didn't like him, so he kept him around for Scarecrow. Yeah, I'd forgotten all about that, but yep. And then everybody out: Josh Hartnett, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, oh, there's another replacement one too. That didn't happen, mm. but how different would that have been? Is that after the original Spider-Man, there was some sort of falling out with either I can't remember. There's one of two things, and somebody can fact check it and say you suck, and I'll say I suck. Um, <laughs> is that either Tobey Maguire wanted too much money, or he got injured too badly when he was shooting Sea Biscuit, and they actually went to Jake Gyllenhaal. And said, can you step in and play this role? And it was down to the last minute before Toby McGuire, they worked it out for Toby. I, yeah, take that back. It was because of the injury. They figured out a way to schedule around to allow him to heal. Oh, so, wasn't What's-Her-Face dating Jake Gyllenhaal at the time, too, to add another layer of complexity to it? Possibly, but I I haven't gone to my team. Why am I blanking on her name? Kirsten Dunst. Thank you. Snaggletooth, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Snaggletooth Mary Jane. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um there's there's another one I think Alicia Witt was supposed to be uh, Mary Jane and probably would have been much better than uh Kirsten Dunst. But yeah, that would have been a very interesting turn for Jake Gyllenhaal to be Spider-Man and not Tobey Maguire 
would the third movie have been any better in kind of a Phantom Menace way? Yeah, I keep coming back to my same answer on that. I, I think there were so many script problems. <laughs> and again, some of that apparently was from the studio and some of it was uh, Raimi wanting to tell one story, the studio wanting another one and everything just getting kind of mashed together uh, the way that it did. So I don't know. Um, again, it might have been less annoying in some ways but well staying in the modern day superhero world since that's where we are all living now what if katie holmes had stayed on board for the dark knight and the dark knight rises or i'm sorry spoiler alert for the dark knight <laughs> wait what uh, she, she came back in picture four. Oh, oh that's right third movie come on <laughs> would the uh, the Dark Knight was already uh, great, but would Katie Holmes have been a detriment versus what Maggie Gyllenhaal did in The Dark Knight? Or was the movie strong enough to bypass whatever actress was there? I think I think I think both movies were, honestly. Um because again, Katie Holmes didn't really offer anything real memorable. It wasn't like it was off putting when she got replaced. Um, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, they got somebody else in here. Um, I I think Maggie Gyllenhaal did fine in The Dark Knight, but again, uh, if she had been in the first movie and not in the second, would I care that much? Probably not. Yeah, I don't know if it would have made much of a change. No. I I mean, I think the character was just... There wasn't enough to her, I guess, to really make a huge... I mean, obviously, it moves the story along and has an impact on the character, but it wasn't really like an iconic role like the Joker or something like that, so... Since we... We live in a world that is dominated by Marvel, and we consider that Marvel's current iteration started not with Sam Raimi, but with uh, Tony Stark. Howard the Duck. Oh. Uh... (laughs) With Iron Man, with Tony Stark. Uh-huh. What is that movie like if Tom Cruise, <laughs> the original guy who had the rights as part of a partnership of producing, what if Tom Cruise was Tony Stark? Are we still living in the Marvel world, or is our Marvel world solely respons- the responsibility of John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr.? Question oh, mark. Oh, boy. Um... I think Tom Cruise could have brought a certain level of charisma to the role. He would not have brought the same level of charisma to the role. And, uh, yeah, Favreau and uh, Robert Downey Jr. did a fair amount of collaboration on where they went with that whole project and everything, right? Yeah. As as they were filming it? Yeah. I, I think the biggest difference would have come down to this. And this is coming from somebody who I love Jerry Maguire. It's probably the only Cameron Crowe movie I can stand to watch, and it just so happens to be one that I I really, really like. So I say this even with with that being known. I think Tom Cruise could have played all of the smarmy Tony Stark parts necessary, Mm -hmm. but he would have never in a million years been able to show any of the vulnerabilities that Downey brought to it that he needed to show. Agreed. The remorse and the uh, the vulnerability would have just never 
shown up. He just would have been, okay, I'm, I'm Tom Cruise, but now I'm sad Tom Cruise. So <laughs> look at my one big tooth. I don't, you wouldn't have had the humor there too. And it would have been, and if there was, it would have been really forced. Yeah. So here's what, chalk one up to the thank God it didn't happen. <laughs> Not the, oh, that's interesting. No, it's the thank God it didn't happen because we really, I, I say this with the least amount of hubris possible. We'd be in such a different world Hollywood-wise right now, all from that one decision. It's amazing because that just spun so much, and now every studio is trying to copy, and it just all comes from Downey. It really does. And so I think that's kind of why I, I kind of saved that one. I think it really has the biggest bombshell to it, a ripple effect for where we are now. No, Greg, I'm uh, I'm Iron Man. Thank thank you. Thank you. Oh, by, by, by the way, I, I'm, I am Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no doesn't 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 fly <laughs> no uh, not at all actually <laughs> oh staying a little bit in that marvel world another sort of famous one is that uh somebody who's been around for eons and does nothing apparently does nothing but play wolverine <laughs> was originally do gray scott who was stuck being the bad guy in Mission Impossible 2. And so he had to back out from the role, and then suddenly this unknown Hugh Jackman comes in and gains a career. Yeah, and he becomes Wolverine. He gets a career because of that. Luck of the draw with these things. It always is. It always is. Apparently, um... And there's a couple other interesting ones tied in with uh, the Harry Potter series. Oh. Uh, before they decided, oh, I'm we sorry, want to go let, me, with... let me back up. That was the weirdest sounding oh. Let me do that again. <laughs> oh, really? Not oh. <laughs> what oh. the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> oh. Um, um, okay. So, <laughs> Harry Potter. Okay. Anyways, before they decided that they were going to go all British with the actors and actresses who they hired for it, um, Hagrid was supposed to be played by uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Robin Williams. Oh, well, now that would have been very different. What now? Would it have been though? I don't know if that really would have been that different. I mean, he he wouldn't have needed any hair prosthetics. They just would have. He just would have used his natural <laughs> furry hair. Sorry, rest in peace, Robin. But that he, he was a very hairy man. <laughs> so uh, he, that would have been. In, well, we know he could have grown the beard. Uh, I could have seen Robin Williams in that role. Uh, yeah. So uh, is there somebody else for Harry Potter besides Robin Williams? Uh, you could have had Ian McKellen as Dumbledore. Yeah, but he's British. <laughs> he is. <laughs> so, yeah. I think everybody else on here I'm going to mention, actually, is... Oh, is Naomi Watts? Australian. Oh, okay. Yeah, then she would fit. Yeah, I think the only famous, like, of-the-time British actor who didn't do anything in Harry Potter was Kate Winslet. Oh, uh, yeah, she wasn't in that, was she? Or Daniel De- uh I just opened up a huge rabbit hole because now, well, Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> oh, God. Well, go back to Bond. 
what about uh, in uh, Skyfall, the role that very obviously should have been mine, your rogue. <laughs> Had they been able to get an aged Sean Connery for that caretaker role at the end. Uh, it would have made so much more sense. It would have made sense, but would it have t- taken you out of the movie? Or would it have been, oh, that's really cool. Personally, I probably just would have gone with that's really cool. Now, I'd have, on repeated watchings, I don't know how that would hold up. But, yeah, my initial reaction, definitely, with all the nostalgia stuff that they were pumping into that anyways, it's like, just go for it. Interesting. I think that's that sums up all of this, is that it really can't go anywhere definitive because it's all <laughs> just complete conjecture that, you know, our normal hindsight, we at least have something to go off of. And these are just pure imagination here. And everybody's gonna, yeah, and everybody's going to have a different subjective take on some of this stuff. So uh, one potential casting might bother someone more than another and that type of thing. So, Well, based on all these we said in a wrap-up kind of fashion, you have five seconds to think about it. What do you think would be the biggest change? I think I already spilled mine, my answer. If one of these casting changes that were in here, which one do you think would have carried the most ripples to change what we know right now as movies in Hollywood? Oh, good Lord. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'd, you think any of the Harrison Ford stuff? I really stuff? don't. Uh, probably. Um, I mean, it, it just depends on the era, and it depends on the genre of the film and all of that. Yeah. Um, it it just varies so wildly. I mean, I I I agree with what you had to say about Robert Downey Jr. and the impact and where we are today as far as uh, Marvel goes and everything. But it's so hard to say going looking back uh, down the line and um, kind of who was hot and who wasn't and where different people's careers went because they did or did not get certain roles. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if I can just dream one up that fast. Yeah, I mean, there's different movies that have different versions, but I think I'll stick with my Iron Man one, is that without Downey, you do not have the success of Iron Man, which leads to the success of Marvel Studios, which leads to the Avengers, which leads to now every other movie studio scrambling to try and follow that model. I think it all stems from just that one bit, and there's just no one else who could have done that it's just almost impossible to see uh, a casting decision that would have done that so definitely had long-standing repercussions that's for sure yeah so is there anything else out there that we haven't touched in the (laughs) 101 hours that we've been on um, i'm sure there's plenty but we'll save that for another day and kevin costner should have been in everything so we'll leave it at that (laughs) Kevin Costner in Face Off. <laughs> God. Uh, I don't know where or why that came, but it did. So, um, All right, we'll get this podcast off. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and trade faces, and I'll go teach tomorrow in Columbus, and yeah. you can uh, try and figure out what you're doing. Marketing work. <laughs> you can try and figure out what you're doing tomorrow. Uh, and um, 
yeah, let's try to find replacements for ourselves for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. Mr. Keaton. I'm Batman. <laughs> no, you are not. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. I'm on Burgundy. Okay, but... Ah!